Hello and welcome to the Hoop Shredamas podcast. We got a Thanksgiving special, and so we're going around the table here. We got Jake Shapiro out of the great city of Denver, the Mile High City. And as always, we got Kurt Schroeder out of Reno, Nevada. How are you guys doing tonight on this lovely uh, Tuesday? Good. Can't complain, Foo. Happy to be associated with the great city of Denver. Absolutely. And we're all repping. Uh, Jake, you're swagged out. You got the ABA Nuggets hat on. You got a Jokic uh, t-shirt on. And uh, Kurt's rocking the Celtics. So you guys were all, you know, repping. I had to throw my Bulls hat on, even though uh, they got totally exposed last night. What are you going to do? Well, you look at the Bulls last few days, and they did absolutely destroy my Nuggets late in the game, thanks to Zach Levine. But uh, I don't know if that one actually counts in terms of the Nuggets game because they were uh, <laughs> they've been without a lot of bodies, which we'll get into. But yeah, uh, I don't know how the Bulls should feel about themselves right now, Adam. Like they should not have been that tight against the Nuggets, and then they get exposed the other night. But you know, you said a text. Uh, you sent a text to me earlier today. You talking about how. It's really hard to win in basketball without your center. And Nikola Vucevic is one of the better centers in the league. Like, and it doesn't get talked about enough that that dude is an all-star. That dude is really, really good. And uh, I feel for the Bulls who are literally playing Derek Jones Jr. at center at times right now. Yeah. And like, he's a fun, small ball center. Sure. But, you know, it's like the Nuggets probably uh, had more trouble against the Bulls without Jokic. Right. And the Bulls are going to have more trouble against the Pacers in uh, Sabonis and Turner when they don't have uh, their guys in, in Vucevic and Tony Bradley uh, isn't going to be the answer, you know? And so it's kind of interesting, like these teams that are able to do small ball really well, uh, the Nuggets kind of a different animal because they're able to play with pace with how Jokic kind of starts the fast break. But when you get one dimensional, we saw it in the 2016 finals, you can lose some games, even though you're the better team. Kurt, I know that one's infamous for you. You're a you're a a big Clay Thompson stand. Big Clay Thompson stand, yeah. Uh, maybe we'll talk about him later on in the podcast. I have a feeling we will. I have a feeling <laughs> we will. Um, so on today's show, we're going to get into uh, plenty of fun stuff. We got uh, power rankings. We have a, a little Thanksgiving segment, and we're also talking about the LeBron James uh, suspension and the brawl that caused that between LeBron and Pac-12 great Isaiah Stewart. I don't know if we can call him Pac-12 great, but Pac-12 participant. Uh, wh- what do you think, Jake, as someone who regularly has an ear to the heart of the Pac-12? So I covered Isaiah Stewart in college, and I walked by him, and I went, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> like he is just visually striking as a person. And this is when the big stuff about Zion, he was either drafted the same year as Zion or right after. And I'm like, this dude looks exactly like Zion, except he does not have that caliber of skill. Now he is a good basketball player. Um, and I think he kind of fits the role of the NBA in terms of modern day bigs where he can be very switchable. He can do many things. But what I like about him is he's a little bit bulkier than those modern day bigs and he can actually be a menacing force down low. Um, and that menacing force down low and the way he defends can annoy people. And it certainly annoyed LeBron James, who uh, people have said he's not a dirty player uh, because they've seen him play for a long, long time and they haven't seen a long history of dirty acts. But LeBron's done some stuff over the course of his career that has been uh, questionable, to say the least. And 
him looking back and then swiping Isaiah Stewart across the face uh, may, it seemed pretty intentional to me. You know what? Yeah. Let's just get into this. Now we'll go with the natural flow of the show. Uh, You know, LeBron, man, I always think back to the moment is I ironically watched the LeBronless Lakers on the television against the New York Knicks, but it was a game against the New York Knicks who had a old school, big man. Uh, One of my, I don't know, favorite like non bulls, even though I liked him as a bull, but a guy whose career I enjoyed throughout uh, Tyson Chandler. So Tyson Chandler sets a screen on LeBron James and LeBron looked like he just sprinted into the incredible Hulk. And I want to, like Tyson Chandler's a big dude, but he flopped, you know? So it's like, you can't be the tough guy and be the dude who goes flying when you run into a screen. And I feel like that kind of in a nutshell is how LeBron is in these like kind of situations. And I was talking to my dad about it too. <laughs> and, um, I, I, I told him, cause I, I can't bet legally here in North Dakota. So I tell him what bets to place back in Illinois. So I told him, take the Knicks tonight against the Lakers because LeBron's not playing. He's like, oh, does he have a cold? Does he have a scratch on his elbow? I said, no, dad, he's suspended. And, uh, you know, I told him I would never mess with Isaiah Stewart because, you know, I, I was writing with some of our buddies uh, covering a little Pac-12. And when I saw that man on the floor at CU, it was like, dude, this guy's got muscles and his muscles have muscles. Like LeBron's a tough guy. Sure. I don't know, but maybe he's a fake tough guy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Isaiah Stewart, like he was very good at Washington for that one year. His Washington team was terrible. Um, But yeah, it's just a guy who's six, nine, maybe a little bit undersized to play the five. Um, But I think he's going to be a very, very good pro. And obviously it was a very dirty, cheap shot by LeBron. Um, I think the thing that kind of comes to my mind is like, where's the precedent in the league? Because, you know, Stewart got two games, LeBron gets one game, but then you look at the Jokic situation and I, I don't know. I just feel like Jokic did more in his situation to warrant more games than maybe Stewart did. But at the same time, uh, I think that the shot by Morris was a little bit dirtier than the shot LeBron took on Stewart in my personal opinion. So it's very confusing in terms of, you know, this act warrants this many games in terms of the suspension. But at the end of the day, I'm not mad at the fact that LeBron got suspended. It was a dirty shot for sure. I think it's the control on inciting violence thing. Like that's kind of the games I think Isaiah Stewart got because Nikola Jokic did the dirty thing and then just got off the floor. Like he was done. Um, Isaiah Stewart lost all control. And to be fair to Isaiah Stewart, if I am in that situation and I don't have the greatest capacity to make decisions when I am angry, um, I'm doing the exact same thing. If I look at like Isaiah Stewart, like I don't care. Like I heard all these takes like, Oh, you got to know it's LeBron. You got to like be careful LeBron. You know, in the moment, I'm sure LeBron's thinking this dude, but after the fact, I'm sure LeBron and a lot of people around the league are thinking, I respect the hell out of this dude because he didn't even care that it was LeBron. Like that earned some like real hardcore tough guy points. Now you look across what happened in that scrum. Um, Russell Westbrook, the ultimate fake tough guy in the NBA, trying to, to get in a fight, not really. Carmelo Anthony mocking the entire thing because he ain't ever going to do anything. Anthony Davis, who I'm surprised didn't fall down to the floor during the thing, 
Um, like the Lakers are just and DeAndre Jordan might actually be the hardest guy on that team. But the the whole thing with the Lakers is they're just full of these guys that have had so many of these different incidences of them looking so stupid and acting so stuff or, or tough. And it you just see right through it right away. And uh, you know, I, I just hate this Lakers team. They're paper soft. They're paper soft. And it was cool to see them stick up for their leader and whatnot. But like if you're really going to stick up for your leader, why aren't you as like Talon Horn Tucker? And the reason he's not because they need him going after this guy. Like, why isn't one of their guys going after this guy as they're trying to brawl, you know? So uh, I-, I wish it got even a little bit more out of hand. I-, I hate the people that go, Oh, this is terrible for the game. This is, this is so bad. It's awesome for the game. Give me more fights. Give me more emotion. Give me more brawls. We're still talking about the mouse at the foul. Yeah. We're talking about the 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 craziness at Little Caesars now. Um, so g- give me more of this. I, I don't mind it at all. Uh, it, it doesn't matter that LeBron's not playing one regular season game or Isaiah Stewart's not playing two regular season games. Now, it shouldn't matter, but the Lakers might actually need that game at the end of the season because they, they are not that good. Um, but my whole point being is, like, I love seeing what I've seen from Utah the other day with Rudy Gobert, uh, Nikola Jokic dishing it right back to Morris. Um, And I think a lot of this is honestly stemming from a lot of increase in physicality in the NBA this year. You're seeing a really physical NBA uh, where hand checking has more or less returned due to the changing in the free throw, uh, the, the shooting foul rules. Interesting. Interesting. Should we call this the little scuffle at little Caesars? Hmm. Maybe. Uh, hodgepodge while you got hot and ready. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I think it makes some good points, especially like we, we kind of dipped into a little bit of the way we are changing the rules. Like, I think that the league became aware of their reputation is getting soft. And I think that it's getting a little less soft. And I, I love that. And I think that. Guys like Isaiah Stewart are good for basketball. Uh, You know, like, I like the old school big man. I like the enforcer. I like the bodyguard. And you know what? People do talk about it, Jake. It's a really good point. People are still talking about Malice in the Palace. And, you know, we talked about the Jokic situation on the last two shows. Uh, There's a reason we're talking about the LeBron situation now. I am glad that the league handed down – a suspension for LeBron because everyone's like, oh, you know, the social media is going wild saying LeBron's not going to get punished. Well, I'm glad he did. He he deserved to. And no man should be above the law. Uh, And honestly, it's just like, I do think it was an accident. I don't know if he was like, sometimes you make incidental contact at the free throw line, but that is some really intense incidental contact. Like Isaiah Stewart whether it was intentional or not, has every reason to be upset. When you're bleeding from the mouth, like it looks like you just got out of the octagon, what are you supposed to do? Oh, it's okay, Mr. King James. It's okay that I'm bleeding profusely from my face. Sorry, I got in the way of your elbow, Mr. King James. Like, what are you supposed to do there? Yeah, his his right eye is like, I'm looking at pictures right now. It's like swollen and he's bleeding from like half of his face. So, yeah, I think that some retaliation was necessary for sure on Isaiah Stewart's part. Looking up and down the Lakers roster, my opinion, only one tough guy, Rajon Rondo. Everyone else, 
not tough. Dwight, they have Dwight. Dwight takes you down like eight fake tough ticks. Yeah, I'll give you Dwight. And Dwight, you know, always would knock out Derrick Rose. He was like for a week. The Bulls would play the Magic. Derrick Rose would try to go up to the rim. Dwight Howard would knock him down to the floor, and then he'd be out for a few games. Like it was routine. Uh, you know, we obviously aren't seeing that same Dwight Howard anymore, but um, yeah, man. I mean, we talked about it on the show a lot in the season previews, and I'm going to pat myself on the back because I said the Lakers would be nine and nine or 10 and 10. I said they'd get off to a rough start and I said they were structurally unsound. And so I'm patting myself on the back right now. If you can hear that, that's the sound of me patting myself on the back. Uh, yeah, it's structurally unsound. They don't have shooters. I do think that uh, having Taylor Horton Tucker is going to help a lot, but you look in, up and down the roster and you have so many question marks where it's like most of these guys can't shoot. And a lot of these guys are injury prone. I don't think that it works. And um, you know, that's why they're yet to be in my power rankings. I think they're a pretender. I mean, they have a lot of brand recognition and rightfully so when you have three super duper stars on your team, but this isn't Space Jam. You can't just assemble a Monstars squad and expect to win. That's not how basketball works. Yeah, they've got, I think, six Hall of Famers, and DeAndre Jordan might actually – DeAndre Jordan probably won't make it, but they've got six, like six bonafide Hall of Famers, Westbrook Davis, Anthony James, Howard Rondo. Like, that's six Hall of Famers. Um, and – Their whole idea with team construction seemed pretty obvious to me, which was LeBron and Anthony Davis miss a bunch of games. So let's get a bunch of redundancies. Um, And we, to be fair to the Lakers, we have not seen them with Kendrick Nunn or Trevor Ariza. Trevor Ariza, I have zero faith in, in year 17 to add anything valuable to this team. Kendrick Nunn is not someone who likes to spot up and shoot as we know from watching him in Illinois. Like, he's not that guy. Like, he wants to take over. Kendrick Nunn thinks Kendrick Nunn is the best player uh, in the world. But in the same sense, Mario Chalmers was that same guy in Miami, and LeBron made that work. So there's a scenario in which this team works. But when you're telling me that this team is counting on Taylor Horton Tucker and Austin Reeves to do very valuable things for them, which in terms of, you know, spacing and making sure LeBron is able to be LeBron, I have no faith in it. And the number one thing we've learned about LeBron James's career is that LeBron is the best player and almost unstoppable when you surround him with shooters. Yeah. So what did LeBron, the general manager do for LeBron, the player? He said, okay, Anthony Davis is going to play the four and we're going to bring in Dwight and also Deandre Jordan, who couldn't stay on the floor last year for the Brooklyn Nets and got replaced by point guard, Bruce Brown as the Nets starting center at one point. Um, so they have, just such a flawed team construction. And then the one position where you're like, okay, maybe you can open it up with the guard. Russell Westbrook is the worst volume shooter in the history of the NBA in terms of efficiency. And then you add that with a backup point guard, Rajah Rondo, who famously does not like to shoot threes. So I, I don't understand in any way, shape or form when you're maybe second best three point shooter outside of Wayne Ellington is LeBron, how you're going to win. Anthony Davis, you might say, is a better three-point shooter, but literally he's just one bubble stretch away from being a worse three-point shooter than, you know, 
five or six or seven of the bigs you think of that can shoot in the NBA in terms of guys like Lopez, you know, Jokic, uh, uh, Carl Anthony Towns like that. So I, I, I don't really buy that Anthony Davis stuff. Like Anthony Davis has a one year where he's been one of the best players in basketball and LeBron and the Lakers were counting on a lot with Anthony Davis. Uh, I don't think Anthony Davis is that guy. And then the surrounding parts of it where you're like, oh, they've got six all famers. They'll be fine. They are not fine. They are a problem. And when your best defender on the perimeter day in and day out is Avery Bradley in year 15 or whatever it is for Avery Bradley year 12 or whatever, that's a problem. Like they have so many problems. Yeah. And Anthony Davis, I mean, I think he shot around 29% from three last year. At this point, he's an overrated shooter. And uh, yeah, in the age of spacing, it, it creates a lot of issues. Um, I want to get in a, a quick little uh, shout out to Symbol. All right. I don't know if you've heard of this, uh, but Symbol is a pretty cool new sponsor we have. Uh, it's like the stock market for sports allows you to profit off your sports knowledge, basically invest in teams like the stock market. And so you use your knowledge to your advantage. You can buy low and sell high. Maybe you knew that the Lakers weren't going to be good and uh, you were profiting off that knowledge. You earn cash payouts when the teams win. Uh, so if you knew that the Suns were going to win 13 in a row, maybe you're laughing to the bank right now. All you got to do is go to www.symbol.com. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com. Create a free account. When you deposit, make sure you use our promo code. That's SD for sports drink, SD, uh, to make sure your deposit's risk-free. And then uh, that promo code will guarantee that deposit. That means even if you lose money, they'll refund your initial deposit. No questions asked. Join Symbol. Start investing and profiting on your favorite teams. Uh, Kurt, do you have anything to add before we move on to power rankings? No, I'm not mad that the Lakers are struggling right now. Uh, right now, I'm not going to write them off. Um, I had them at the beginning of the season as my Western Conference pick uh, in the finals. It's looking bad right now. But uh, until LeBron is completely eliminated, I do not doubt that man. I also imagine they're probably going to make some tweaks to the roster down the road here. So what we see right now probably isn't going to be what we see when the playoffs start. Yeah, true. I think we're going to see a uh, – what was it, the 20 – what – 2017 2018 Cavs or something like that where basically LeBron's like all right trade everyone get get Derrick Rose out of here Dwayne Wade we're not friends anymore we are friends but go, be, be gone from me you know he's just gonna completely uh Isaiah Thomas was gone too yeah they just got rid of everybody and so I think they're gonna see that JJ Redick is a pretty good analyst right away and I think we saw that coming he might be suiting back up soon they could use that but shoot. we but but they don't have the assets out of – the only way they can really do that is point. buyout market, retired guys, and guys from overseas. Like, they don't have any draft picks. Nikola Meritich? Right. Like, it's going to be Nikola Meritich, J.J. Redick, and uh, if they can get uh, – what's his name? The, the redheaded guy that just went over to Italy that was on the Warriors last year. Like, like Nico? They, they're going to – yeah, Nico. Like they're gonna Nico Mannion. Like they're gonna have like a goon squad of guys, and then what? They're gonna get Andre Drummond again on the buyout market. Well, he's not gonna be a buyout. He's been fantastic. But yeah. uh, you know what I mean? Like it's it's just not like they, like they can't add the things that they really need. Like those pieces are nice if they, if you're gonna get eight, nine, ten in the rotation. Yeah, they can be valuable. But they need like three, four, five in the rotation. I would agree with that. Uh, let's get into the power rankings, Jake. Since you are uh, 
the guest essentially you're someone who hops on all the time at this point i have a hard time calling you a guest but you know me and kurt are, are doing this weekly show uh so why don't you go ahead and get started who's your number five on your power rankings we'll work our way down to number one my number five right now is the team that i think is going to come out of the east but has been struggling a little bit as of late uh the miami heat interesting uh, I think they're, they're my I think five they're a really good team yeah yeah and and they've just had a couple a rough little stretch where they were on the road a while uh they're missing morris after the Jokic brawl bam's been out and in a, out of the lineup recently um tyler hero cooled off just a little bit um but they are built up really really well uh the biggest question mark still with this team to me is victor aladipo because if they have that um in yeah. any sort of fashion if they have even 60 percent of what oladipo was two years ago uh that team is maybe the best team in the nba um sure. but what they have right now is one of my favorite big men they have kyle lowry who's been really good uh for them and they have tyler hero who's taken that jump and then a bunch of guys that are like three and d guys that are very very valuable and of course jimmy butler who's been one of the better players in the nba so i got five uh, with the miami heat yeah i also have five with the miami heat uh, you know, we just talked about the Lakers are kind of built weird while well, the Heat are probably the best built team in the league. Uh, I think it's a very short conversation, probably a three team conversation when you talk about the best defenses in the league. It's the Jazz every year, the Bucks, and the Heat. Uh, and then you just got so many excellent playmakers on there. Uh, I noticed that you snuck in one of my favorite centers in the league. Yeah, he's on your fantasy team, the West Bricks. Uh, and so I also got Jimmy Butler and he, he's balling for me. Uh, I'm the Miami heat for, uh, the Gotham city jokers. Uh, so we've both watched, we've had an eye on the heat for sure. Uh, but I like that take. And right now they're actually down seven to the Pistons and, uh, Luke Garza getting the first start of his career for the Pistons. He's got seven points, uh, four fouls <laughs> in 13 minutes. Uh, but anyway, uh, Kurt, who's your number five? Uh, I have the Utah Jazz at number okay, five. Okay. So, uh, I mean, you can't go wrong with Miami. Uh, I remember at the beginning of the season when we we're looking at the division breakdowns, very high on Miami. I said that they won the offseason, one of three teams out east that can make it to the NBA final. So I'm not mad at those picks at number five. Uh, going with Utah, they have the same exact record as the Heat. Just looking at the Heat schedule right now, you know, the last, well, they lost to Washington, but uh, beat Washington on the 18th. Uh, and then the Pelicans and the Thunder. So wins that aren't going to impress me. Yeah, they beat Utah on the 13th, but I just like Utah's construction a little bit better at sure. this point. Um, and the, kind of the stats that jump out to me, second in points per game in the league, sixth in opponent points per game, and second in point differential. So I, I like the Jazz right now. I think they're the deepest team. And obviously, if they keep playing the way that they have been playing and are capable of playing – they could certainly make it to an NBA finals. They just come up short and just fail to make jump shots for whatever reason when playoffs come around, but we're not talking playoffs right now. Well, the reason they weren't in my top five is quite simple. The Grizzlies beat them last night and the Grizzlies are a damn good team. I don't want to take anything away from the Grizzlies, but we're talking top five. It is like a game of the riches here. And so the very best of the best, it's a very uh, razor thin margin right there. Uh, but they are like on my six. They're just on the outside looking in. Um, but man, credit where credit's due. I don't know if y'all saw the end of that game, but John Morant brings the defense with him, collapses around him. And what a beautiful shot to JJJ for the J. And, uh, you know, 
that team's been really good for a long time. Little little side note, note there, but yeah, you can't go wrong with it's, you. it's power rankings too. You got to factor in who's hot, who's not. Like you know, like I, I mean, I for instance, like one of my honorable mentions right now is the Bucks. I think the Bucks are one of the best teams in the NBA, but the Bucks aren't playing really good basketball right now. Interesting. They are on my list. They are on my list. Uh, let's reverse the order. Kurt, who's your number four? Oh, uh, Phil, you're going to be happy with me. Uh, a week overdue, but I got the Bulls. Oh, they're not so, on my list anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they, they've had a rough uh, week or so, but uh, if you just look kind of a recent memory, uh, wins over the Knicks, Nuggets, Lakers, Clippers, uh, fourth best record in the league. Uh, I just like what they're doing. I mean, I'm looking at what DeMar DeRozan is doing. Uh, wouldn't be my favorite for MVP right now, but certainly in the discussion, if you were to go three, four, five deep, um, I think Steph and KD are obviously at the top of that list there, but love what DeMar DeRozan is doing. Zach Levine, phenomenal player. Uh, don't trade him, Coach Leo. Don't <laughs> trade him. Um, but, yeah, I like the Bulls and uh, kind of making up for my uh, not having them last week, I should say. Okay. Uh, Jake is a Chicago-Denver hybrid. What are your thoughts? I got the Bulls at 4-2. Uh, How about I, I think that they've – yeah, I've also I also seen that they've had a tough week, but you know, just recently they they've had wins over Brooklyn and Dallas, and they they won that really nice back to back out in LA, um, both sides of it. So uh, the the Bulls have shown that they have a good amount of depth. Uh, I'm really upset as someone who who's favorable towards the Bulls because I think Patrick Williams was the piece that was going to take them over the top this year, and they're, they're without it for the rest of the season. And it's really upsetting, especially watching the way Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball defend. Like, those two guys are both going to end up on first-team all-NBA defense. So if they had uh, Patrick Williams, who's probably a second, a second maybe on that, a uh, second-team guy on that list, wow. uh, you'd, you're talking about three of the best ten defenders in the NBA uh, being on the Chicago Bulls in, you know, either in their starting lineup or, or playing a significant portion of their minutes. So – the Bulls are just so good on defense to me. Vucevic is one of my favorite players in the league. Uh, DeRozan has proven that he is better than when he was on Toronto when he was the star player. Uh, he learned a lot in San Antonio. I thought he was just going to be too old to kind of put it all together, and we're going to see how he holds up over the course of the year. But DeRozan has shown that maybe he is the best version of DeMar DeRozan right now, which is really scary because he's yeah. very, very good. And Zach Levine is like, you talked about DeRozan being an MVP guy. If Zach Levine can continue this pace throughout the course of the regular season, uh, he's going to be, you know, we talked about him maybe most improved last year, but it, it looks like he's taken another step up. And he's been phenomenal. And I really love Lonzo Ball on this team. I, 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 the one question, they have nice depth, but I have some question marks with their depth. Uh, but I, I like this team. I like the way they're going. So the reason they're not on my list uh, they got smacked last night against the Pacers. And as I mentioned, and we mentioned, you know, it is really hard to play without a big man. And right now uh, I'll use some nonsense to explain it, to make sense. Right. So I've been just cooking people in 2k online with the bulls. I'm dangerous. You know, the first game I played with the bulls, I went up 29 zero against this poor guy online. I got to give him credit for not quitting 29 zero. He was the bucks, but the reason I did that is because I saw this roster construction. I'm like, okay, I see what we're going to do. We're going to run. We can do this. But without having Vucevic, it creates a lot of problems. And if you have a big roster, uh, just like the Pacers, for example, who's 
like point guard is six, five, six, six, and Malcolm Brogdon is one of the better rebounders in the league. Uh, that's the way you beat this team. And so I think in a lot of ways they were exposed. Uh, the bulls have had one of the best defenses in the league, only averaging or allowing 104 uh, points per game. However, right now, and these numbers are a little uh, wacky just because you have to take into consideration uh, that Vucevic is out, but they're 28th in rebounds per game. And I think that eventually that is going to give them problems when they have Vucevic healthy, they're going to be fine. But what I want out of the front office right now is to start considering bringing in a DeMarcus Cousins. And that's a name, you know, if you bring in DeMarcus Cousins, you got to be like, all right, this is going to screw up the locker room. You got to be careful with that. But like, maybe you got to play Alizé Johnson more. You need to do something to commit to the glass or at least to compete on the glass. And it's okay to be a run and gun team. And they're clearly playing to their strengths in that regard. But if you become one dimensional, the good teams are going to beat you. Uh, And I think that's where they're struggling right now. Once they get Vucevic back, all that gets solved and you have a top five rebounder in the NBA. Uh, But right now, they're not in this week. I think they're going to be in just about every other week for the rest of the year, though. Let's put it that way. Who's your number four, Adam? Uh, my number four, let me pull up my list here, uh, is the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, so the Brooklyn Nets just behind, or I'm sorry, just in front of the Chicago Bulls in the Eastern Conference standings. This is another team that isn't perfect. Uh, the defensive woes are glaring, but they've gotten it together. They've won three in a row. They've won eight of their last 10. Uh, we all know what, uh, you know, Steve Nash is able to get out of those guys. Uh, they beat the pretender Cavs twice in their last three games. They, they beat the magic. So it's not like they're coming out, getting these huge wins. Uh, they got smacked against the warriors, but I, I just think that, Kevin Durant is really playing some of the best basketball of his career right now. Uh, James Harden is learning to evolve a little bit is he's not really getting these calls. He's not getting away with the hooks in the arms. He's not getting away uh, with the bump, the butt bump, you know, like he's not getting away with some of the stuff Uh, and they're going to continue to figure it out. But all in all, you, you can't, argue with their success. They've been a really good team. I I really don't know much more to say. Like it's a lot of it has to do with how good they are on paper. Like KD and James Harden are playing like KD and James Harden and the rest matters to some degree. It matters more in the playoffs though, than it does in the power rankings. Yeah. The, to just jump in with my number three, it's Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn, for me, some of the things you mentioned, Adam, their strength of schedule has not been good, and they got smacked uh, by the Warriors. They've lost to the Bulls. Like, they haven't beaten up many good teams. But in the same sense, they're still sitting here 13-5, and five, and we're all aware of their problems. Like, James Harden is not trying on defense. The rules were changed basically to stifle Harden. And James is still getting to the free throw lines almost seven times a night. And he's also shooting 38% from three, and that's going to go up. Like Harden, as we know, it takes some time for him to get into playing shape because he likes to spend his off seasons at strip clubs eating wings. Like <laughs> that's James Harden. And, and I love him. Like he's my, he's my hero as a basketball player. He found a way to game the rules 
and he spends all his time at strip club. Like that, that, that's amazing. I love James Harden. And he went to ASU and just partied in college. Like that's the dream. Like anyone who's like, oh, I want to be MJ. No, you want to be James Harden. Trust me on that one. Uh, he is living. Uh, Kevin Durant, you said he's playing some of the best basketball in his career. Both Harden and Durant are getting a lot of assists. Uh, yeah. You could say whatever you want about Durant and Harden. We know what they are. They're going to get better throughout the course of the regular season. We know that what they are come playoff time. They've both proven it in the playoffs. Um, what I've been rather impressed by with their team is LaMarcus Aldridge has been very, very good. Um, and not like LaMarcus Aldridge, San Antonio good or Portland good, but just a tampered down version of that. And you had to expect that because the usage just isn't going to be there where they're posting him up. Uh, Patty Mills was a great addition to this team. Bruce Brown is finally playing a little bit more at the four five position for them, which I think opens up actually a lot for them. I really like their different big combinations that they can pull out. They're kind of like a relief pitchers in baseball in a certain sense where they can match up depending on the situation and who they're playing against with uh, Paul Millsap, Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown, uh, Nicholas Claxton, and Marcus Aldridge. So I think they've got actually a pretty good front court. Uh, DeAndre Bemby has been solid for them. Javon Carter, I thought, was a nice addition as well. And Cam Thomas has been is, is, has added some contributions. So uh, the fact that they're 13-5 and five and we're sitting here going, we don't really know what they are, and there's also the Kyrie cloud hanging over them, like that, that feels like a team that's very, very scary. And again, they were a half a shoe size away from probably winning the NBA Finals last year, even with most of the same problems that they have right now. Yeah. Another thing uh, you mentioned, Durant and Harden sharing the ball so well. The team's fifth in the NBA in assists with 25-1 a game and first and three-point percentage. That's a recipe for success on the offensive end. And, I mean, frankly, is there anyone you would expect to be – the best anyone else you'd expect to be the best offensive team in the NBA? Not really. Yeah. Brooklyn is my number three as well. I'm trying to find new stat bombs here for you. Uh, But Katie (laughs) uh, first in the league in scoring 56% from the field, 42% from three, just insane numbers. Uh, I don't expect him to keep that up the entire season just because of how insane those numbers are. But again, been saying it since his last year in Oklahoma city with the zombie Sonics, best player in the league. So I'm never going to count Brooklyn out as long as Kevin Durant is healthy. And I'm just looking it up right now. Uh, obviously, Joe Harris is still injured with his, with that ankle. And so if you get Joe Harris back, that's just scoring punch, whether it's off the bench, back in the starting lineup, probably their best three-point shooter. I think that things are only going to get better for Brooklyn. And right now, I don't want to say that they're treading water because they're still a really good team. But at the same time, as shocking as this is, I feel like they can even be better than what they are right now, given the fact that, yeah, they have some holes. Yeah, guys haven't necessarily been playing up to their potential like Harden, but I think they're going to figure it out and keep ascending. So the fact that kind of like the floor for them right now is three, uh, I think just says a lot about the team. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my number three is the Milwaukee Bucks. So they, they've won four in a row. They had a lot of health issues coming into the season, uh, but they're starting to get healthier um, right now. Yeah, I mean, I really like their role players. Everyone talks about Giannis. Everyone talks about Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, rightfully so. But I'm going to talk about Pat Connaughton, who is one of the best rebounding guys in the league and someone who you can realistically uh, run more at the power forward, I think. But he's just fine at the 
the wing, whether it's the two or the three. I really like Grayson Allen. I think he's been a perfect fit, and he's had some really good games. And then Bobby Portis should be the starter at center over Brooke Lopez. Uh, Lopez uh, right now just kind of with some nagging injuries. Uh, he's day-to-day, he's -day, but Portis has been beasting since, since he got back on the floor. And uh, the Bucks have quietly won four in a row. And it's a resume thing for me. These guys are the defending championships and or champions. And until someone takes that crown off their head, hey, they're 10 and 8. You know, like that's right there. They're just three games out of first place. It's young in the season. But right now, to me, the Bucs are still the top of the East, especially when they're healthy. I'm not too concerned with the losses uh, because I know who they are and they got who I think is the best player in the world right now in Giannis, the numbers aren't going to blow your mind right now is they still kind of like get a little healthier, but they're fifth in rebounds. Um, they're second and three pointers made per game at 14.8. Uh, they're shooting just under 36%. And so obviously they're one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. They are a defensive super team. As I've mentioned so many times on this podcast, uh, but then they're just tried and true offensively. And it sucks that DiVincenzo isn't a part of this team right now. I mean, he is, but he's not playing because he could really, really help them. Uh, he's a guy who can play either guard spot. But the fact that Grayson Allen is able to contribute. And I think he's having the best year of his career right now. He's averaging 15 points a game. Uh, four boards. He's going to play as good defense. He He's going to be a passer. He's shooting just under 43% from three to lead the team. I'm not counting Lopez because he has only played one game. But I think that they're just a well-built team. And we know what Budenholzer basketball looks like at this point. And it's just a matter of their guys staying on the floor. And they're going to be at the top of my power rankings very soon, I would say. Grayson Allen was such a good pickup for that team. And Giannis is playing as good a basketball as he played when he was the MVP. Like he's right there. And like, you noted the injury. So he's doing it with just a different cast from is they're 10 and eight, but I learned last year to, to go, you know, Mike Budenholzer, this team, blah, blah, blah. They said it at the start of the season last year, the regular season was like training camp for them. They were going to play with pick and roll coverages all year, try to figure it out because they didn't make in-game adjustments in the playoffs the year prior. And guess what? When playoffs came around this past year, they turned it on. And I think that they don't really care about the regular season at all. And they're probably going to end up maybe six, five, or four. And it really will not matter to them at all because they're the defending champions and they're just trying to get right for the postseason. Yeah, exactly. And just make it. Just make it. I, I feel like before they won the championship, they really were concerned about that seating. And sure, you want to be able to have home court advantage, but no, just get there and get there healthy. Uh, Kurt, anything to add on the Bucks? No, they're 10 and 8. I can't have them in my top five at this moment in time. But at the same time, some of those losses were coming without Giannis and Chris Milton. So what we're seeing right now and in the future is not necessarily what we've seen up until this point. Um, yeah, I mean, like, the teams that are at the top, really don't care about the regular season. As you mentioned, it's getting healthy because we've seen that all you need is a, I mean, I want to say literal break, but at times, you know, if you have a team 
that is going to make a deep run, that has the roster construction, that has the coaching, that has the depth, that has the ability there. If you just have one player get injured, it can like totally derail a team and have a, a team that's less talented make it further than maybe they should have gone. So I think that, you know, the rest is real, um, that just buying time, really just getting into the playoff picture and being like a top four seed. Uh, I feel like that's super critical. And that's obviously what some of the, the good teams are doing. If you can do it, you know, be a, a top seed in the conference in the process and get home, uh, home court advantage and keep everybody healthy. That's obviously the dream, but I feel like in recent memory, it's kind of been one or the other. And I think a lot of teams would rather not be in the best position on paper come playoff time, but have all their horses as opposed to the opposite. Well said, my friend, uh, does that take us through our number threes then? Yeah, it does. All right. Uh, number two, I, I, we've done so much snaking around. I can't remember who's up. So either one of you guys go for it. I think our two and one are probably going to be the same for everyone. I think I so. Some, and I think it's I all going to be, Warriors. does everyone have Suns Warriors in that order? Yup. Yup. I've got, I've got, I've got Suns number two right now. Warriors number one, uh, despite the huge winning streak from the Suns. Uh, I've just been so impressed with the way the Warriors have played this year. Jordan Poole. Uh, has stepped it up to another level. He's just taken his game above and beyond. The Steve Kerr has finally unlocked the Andrew Wiggins we've been hearing about since he was 16 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, they still haven't they still haven't even gotten anything from uh, James Wiseman yet or Clay Thompson, and they look like this. This team is super scary. Uh, I've always been an Otto Porter fan. Gary Payton II has added some stuff. Uh, Juan Tosca, uh, Juan JTA, I should say, because I'm white and can't pronounce his name. Toscano uh, has been solid. Thank you. Um, and then, I, you know, their young guys, Moody and Kaminga, I, I think also add a little punch to this team. But Steph Curry's playing, even as a Jokic fan, especially because he's been out the last few days. Um, Steph Curry's the MVP of the, the league right now. He's been yeah. unbelievable. Running away with it. And I just can't wait to see this team once, once they're fully healthy. I mean, even Damon Lee has been good for them. So uh, this team is really, really scary. Now on the Suns part of it, the Suns, I think, are someone that we completely just wrote off as being, you know, cheap Western Conference champions because they got all the injuries to get there. And yeah, it's true. That's exactly what happened. But they've gotten better than they were last year. They've gotten deeper. Landry Shamit was a huge addition to them in terms of uh, off the bench scoring while still keeping Cameron Payne, their off the bench scorer from last year. Um, Frank Comiskey has been very good as the backup big man. JaVale McGee has even had spells. And then this season in the NBA right now, if you were to put a headline on it, the 2021 NBA season, it's all been about bridge building. You know, the two most improved players right now might be Miles Bridges in Charlotte and Mikel Bridges in Phoenix. Mikel Bridges has been awesome for this team. So this Suns team is really deep. It's really scary. Devin Booker, uh, if he can find a way to even unlock another level of his game, would go down as an MVP candidate. But right now I just see the Suns as the best cohesive team. And then the Warriors are just super impressive because what they're doing without two guys that should definitely be in their rotation. And they look, they, they quite literally are the best team in basketball right now. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to go Suns. Then I'm going to work on the Warriors stuff because I have a lot to say about the Warriors, but quickly with the Suns, my God, are they hot right now? Hot as the sun, you might say they've won 13 in a row. Uh, very well constructed. Uh, it, it seems like that's the commonality, right? If, if you're in the power rankings, you have a very well-built team. But these are quality wins. 
It's not like they're just bum slayers. Like they beat the crap out of the Nuggets. Uh, sure, no Jokic, but they beat the crap out of a good Nuggets team. They beat the Mavericks twice. You know, they beat a good Timberwolves team, one of the more underrated teams. They beat the crap out of Memphis. Like, they handled the Spurs, who are the kind of team that can beat anybody, but aren't necessarily a great team, but, like, can beat anybody. Like, anytime you beat the Spurs, that's a quality win. And the fact that they're 14-3, and just behind Golden State at 15-2, and like, it's time to give them the credit that they're due. And it's crazy. You know, I think back to the NBA playoffs round one where the Lakers were the favorite in the series at the seventh seed. And that's disrespectful. That's ridiculous. Like let's talk about someone not named LeBron James. All right. Like everyone's, Oh, LeBron, he's going to carry him. He's going to carry him. No, the Suns are carrying the Suns because you have multiple weapons because you can space the floor the way you do because Winfield, Illinois' very own Bennett Academy legend, Frank Kaminsky, is out there having a renaissance year. All right, Frank the Tank, shout out. Uh, but I feel like at this point, we, we must acknowledge them as one of the NBA's elite. One of the things I really like about this team is you have someone who can give you 40 on any given night in Devin Booker, but they know that that's not – how they're going to be at their best. Devin Booker's only going to give you 22.4 right now points per game, but that's because they spread it so well. Guys averaging over 10 points per game on the Phoenix Suns right now. Huge underrated pickup in JaVale McGee, 10.3. Kaminsky, 10.6. Bridges, 13.2. Uh, Paul, 13.9 with 10.3 assists and 2.2 steals. Uh, then DeAndre Ayton. Who's only played 11 games, but they've still managed to be this good, even though they haven't had one of their key cogs there with his 16 and 12. And he's still developing as a player. And then Booker leading the way with the 22 points per game. Uh, but it's just so deep. And then I love Jay Crowder, man. Like Jay Crowder is not, he's never going to be an all-star, right? But if you want to talk about, what you want in a power forward in the modern NBA, you hold up a picture of Jay Crowder and say this, your haircut can be different, but your play style must be Jay Crowder. And so you're going to lock down on defense uh, in the post. You're going to be strong enough in the post. You're going to be quick enough on the perimeter. You're going to be able to shoot between 35 and 40% from three. You're going to be a really good passer and you're going to be able to, be comfortable banging down low or standing out on the corner to knock down that PJ Tucker shot. And so I think that what makes them special quite simply is how well the pieces fit together. And, you know, you got to give credit. That's really good coaching too. Uh, Monty Williams put it all together. And at this point, I would be surprised like going into the season, I thought it was going to be the Nuggets. And I do think that it's going to be a different conversation when Jamal Murray gets healthy. But right now, I'd be surprised if it wasn't one and two in the Western Conference Finals. Warriors, Suns. I think the only other thing I have about the Suns is to quote Dennis Green, like we are who we thought they were. 
they have the same exact team from last year, basically. They're running it back, but they got yeah. deeper with McGee and they're getting more from Kaminsky. So it, you know, a team that made it to the NBA finals last year, yeah, they got a few breaks along the way, but it doesn't shock me that they're playing this well. 13 in a row, I think that's pretty shocking because you can't really string together win streaks like that very often. Yeah. But to have them, yeah, number two in our power rankings, one of the best teams in the league. I see that they're probably going to project to be two, if not, you know, number one at some point, or at least stay in the top five the rest of the way. If the only thing I have to add about the Warriors is uh, best defensive team in the league, which I think might be a little surprising. Uh, not that they were defensive scrubs in the past, but for them to have, uh, you know, keeping opponents to the lowest point total on average uh, is obviously very impressive. Knocked off Brooklyn uh, a week ago. So that is a, a quality win there. And I'm looking at the uh, the DraftKings MVP odds, Steph Curry, like plus 200. You're starting to get into like the minus territory there. Where you're, you know, the, where the book is going to take 10% there. And then you're, you're, you're just hoping to get a, a decent return. So as that number gets closer and closer to even money or, you know, even a favorite, obviously he's a favorite now um, with the, the lowest odds, I guess you could say, but Steph Curry plus 200, Kevin Durant plus 500, Giannis plus 700, Jokic plus eight, uh, 850, and then Luca plus 1500. Like it just shows how good Steph Curry has been. You're the best player in the league, probably at this moment in time on the best team. They're deep. They're talented. Everyone's unselfish. Doesn't matter who scores the basketball as long as they're winning games. And it just so happens that Curry's the guy who's is he second in the league in scoring still. Um, but he he's up there for sure. And again, not necessarily treading water, best team in the league, but they're only going to get better when Wiseman comes back and Clay Thompson comes back. So you got to yeah, like what Richard, you're seeing. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'd add, yeah, I'd add two quick things to what, what you just said. The Warriors at their peak were very good offensively. I'll remember that. But they were also one of the top five defensive teams in the NBA. Without a doubt. Um, Ever. And with, right. They, they were phenomenal defensively. So having guys like Wiggins actually buy into defense finally and Otto Porter, who's extremely switchable, I think is just so awesome that Steve, Steve Kerr's gotten that. Second part on the Suns, um, we talked about injured teams. The Suns have been doing it without games from DeAndre Ayton, who might be their most valuable player. And that's why we're talking about or, – or their X factor, I should say. Sure. Um, and, and, and that's why we're talking about Comiskey and McGee. Uh, but the one thing I could see bringing down the Suns is if this Robert Sarver investigation and misconduct starts to get a little bit hotter, Ooh. you may see some stuff go on with that team where you start to questioning it because they have, they may have some frailties, uh, fra frailties there. Uh, I, I've been writing all day. I can't speak. <laughs> uh, it happens. It happens. We're all on that grind. Um, yeah. You know, the tell all statistic is quite simple for the Golden State Warriors. First in points for first, or, or uh, I guess last in points against, right? Like they are very good at scoring. They are very hard to score against. And if you can score more points than your opponent, you are going to win. And so that's the recipe <laughs> score more points than the other team <laughs> every night and don't let them score. <laughs> it's, it's very simple. Um, but golly, what's going to happen when Clay Thompson comes back, man? Like this team. How do you get better? Or instead of second and three point percentage, you're will be first. Uh, you know, they're the sec they're second in steals, they're first in assists. We talk about 
how they're starting to bring back some of that identity. And I think that there's a difference between like, this is such a weird thing to say because like, obviously Kevin Durant is such a phenomenal player, but I liked the Warriors better pre Durant. And the reason is because that basketball moved, man, that basketball could move. And now you're starting to see that again. You're starting to see the selfless identity uh, come back and like, that ball doesn't stop. And you're starting to see Steve Kerr's fingerprints return to this team and uh, brilliant play design. And yeah, man, he's a man crush. All right. I'm totally biased. He was my favorite player when I was six years old. Like I love Steve Kerr. There's no shame in my game there, but this dude should win coach of the year with what he's done in the massive step. This is a team that was like in the play in uh, and they made some key changes they got a few more pieces but essentially it's the same team you got Igudala back you got Otto Porter you add added Bielitsa uh I don't think Gary Payton Jr. was there I I I don't really know if he was he wasn't really he was a two-way guy last year I believe yeah I think that's right but you know Steph Curry somehow got better (laughs) like the, the best shooter of all time is now a better shooter like what are you going to do now? Clay Thompson just needs to come in and catch and shoot. I think he's going to be fine on the defensive end of the floor. I don't think he's going to be quite as quick because he got older and he hasn't played uh, since the Cretaceous period uh, when he got hurt against the Raptors in Jurassic Park. Uh, but I do think that they're going to be better with Clay and just from a pure fan perspective i cannot wait to see clay thompson come back and he was cleared for five on five he's getting really close we might see him in december is what i'm reading and he's one of my favorite players of all time and what i love about clay thompson is how fun he is with steph curry and so you just can't say anything that hasn't been said uh but they are not done winning championships I just want to put that out there. Wow. I have just one uh, thing I want to expand on based on what Jake said. The Suns with the Sarver situation, very similar to what the Clippers went through um, with the Sterling situation. And I've listened to multiple podcasts that included like JJ Redick, Matt Barnes, Blake Griffin. And they said that was a massive distraction for the Clippers. So I think the, one of the craziest things is that there's some carryover there. Chris Paul was on those Clippers teams that very well could have made it to the NBA finals talent wise came up short. He's now on this Suns team. Maybe he learned something or can at least relay something to the rest of the team to keep them locked in. But you know, a very similar situation that happened years ago with the Clippers happening now with the Suns. So I think it's a great observation by Jake, like depending on, you know, where the Suns are at mentally and the character of the players in that locker room, could it derail them? Could it be a non-issue? We'll just have to wait and see, but it is definitely a talking point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of weirdness, uh, COVID, COVID cover-up during the NBA finals. Uh, How do we feel about this folks? Uh, Jake, I think you made some really good points before we hit the red button. Yeah, Matt Sullivan, who is covering the NBA better than anyone else right now. Uh, he wrote the book about the Nets. He's done all this. He, he was the guy who broke all the Kyrie vaccine news and the Jonathan Isaac stuff. 
did a deep dive into the Bucks organization during the finals, which the NASA center of the Kumbo uh, was he tested positive. And we all know how close the Nassus is to Giannis. So how the hell was Giannis out there playing? He tested negative. Everyone says that. But the contract tracing protocols, especially if Giannis was unvaccinated, which Giannis expressed doubts about being vaccinated around the same time, um, it kind of adds up to maybe Giannis should not have been out there playing in the finals. And, you know, it, it raises some really big questions both about how safe the NBA was being, were being when 800 people were being, was, were testing positive every single night in the Deer District. Uh, and you have the president out here saying, oh, it's great to see the pride of Milwaukee showing off and our country recovering. And now we're in November and COVID has never been worse than it is right now. Um, and Delta variant had just started taking off in both the cities the finals were in, in, in Phoenix and Milwaukee. So uh, to, to have the NBA, which has been credited for their adaptation of everything very quickly as known as the most liberal league and then the most science following league supporting these scientific studies, making sure the testing is right and, you know, kind of setting the ordinance for the bubbles that everyone else followed. Um, I think we just need to tamper those uh, positive thoughts a little bit, especially as some of this starts to come out after the fact where, you know, it was not all gravy with the Milwaukee Bucks last year, just a few months ago in the finals where you had probably the finals MVP who should not have been playing against a team that was led by a guy who had just tested positive for COVID a few weeks before and missed playoff games in, in Chris Paul. So uh, it, it just, it, you know, reading that article is just a little bit of a bummer, um, but it was completely not surprising uh, given kind of the lackadaisical hot girl summer, we're all vaxxed now <laughs> attitude everybody had uh, in 2021. Yeah. Well said. I think it also creates a very interesting, uh, maybe obvious uh, counter to that is like, but what what even is the NBA Finals if you don't have Giannis, right? Like, and that's, I think this what we've seen so often, whether it's the NBA or throughout this, time is a nation that we've endured this pandemic is where are our priorities and you don't have the NBA finals without Chris Paul. You don't have the NBA finals with Giannis or without Giannis. And so like, what are you going to have Pat Connaughton and the Milwaukee bucks go out there against campaign and the Phoenix suns. Cause everyone's got to isolate. It's, it's just, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong way of doing things. I'm saying that creates quite the riddle. And I don't know what the answer is. It's quite clear that, you know, basket, basketball as a business took precedent uh, at a certain point for the NBA, which is understandable because they are a business. They're not a political organization or a science organization. They are a basketball business. Um, but in the same vein, uh, you know, we just, I think, like I said, we need to tamper some of this stuff down with how well we want to speak about the NBA, yeah. because the longer Adam Silver has reigned over this league, the more he looks like Roger Goodell and the, more the NBA, and the more the NBA feels like just a better branded NFL and a lot of the things that they do. Wow. 
Wow, that might be a hot take. I do like silver a lot more than the, than the NFL, but I will say that the NBA has done a very good job on being on the right side of history. Uh, they've navigated a lot of these situations really well politically. Uh, and I do like that they have provided a voice. However, what did they do? They literally shut up and dribbled. You know? I mean, that's what President Barack Obama told them to do, which is the funniest part. You, you know, Fox News, it caught a lot of heat. But then uh, the secret meeting LeBron James had with Obama in the bubble a few years ago, uh, the reports were that Obama told them to shut up and dribble, more or less. I mean, more kindly. Um, and, and there is some regret you're hearing from NBA players, particularly Kyrie, who voices. Now, are some of Kyrie's claims right now baseless? Yeah. But are some of the things Kyrie has to say completely in fact and actual reality? Yes. Um, and a lot of players have expressed regret about playing in the bubble as things kind of devolved in the summer of 2020. Um, and they didn't support their communities in their words, um, and instead just had vote on the back of their jerseys. So, um, it's, it's fascinating to see because we're starting to have the, the rare view mirror perspective on what has happened over the last few years, even though it is happening still in live time. And we're going to continue to learn more and, it's going to shape our perception of both the NBA and the players currently playing in it for the future. Yeah. And, and I think we're going to continue to see how this goes and unprecedented times. Uh, so I think I give everyone a little bit of a break and it's also very interesting. I've lived in three different States last eight months and everywhere I've lived, it's completely different. Like I was visiting Chicago 11 months ago when I still lived in Colorado and that was the weirdest time I've ever had in the city. It was spooky. No one's out on the streets. Everything's closed. Everything's cold. That's normal, but it wasn't just a temperature cold. It was grim. It didn't feel like home. Now I come back to Colorado and the it's, Restrictions are on, restrictions are off, restrictions are on, restrictions are off. And I uh, saw a tweet that some restrictions were just reapplied in Colorado. I haven't been keeping an ear to the ground there. But then I'm in North Dakota now. And like people don't really, there aren't really that many restrictions, you know? And it's like here is the closest I've seen to pre COVID. It's a smaller population. But people aren't wearing masks. Like the only people who are wearing masks are the employees at the grocery store. You know, like even you can go to bars, people aren't wearing masks. Uh, And so it is so crazy that we're dealing with this as a nation, but individually the states are vastly different too. And so when you look at the National Basketball League, it's probably hard to take account for all these different moving parts, you know? And so it's an insane challenge for Adam Silver. You're trying to protect your brand. You're trying to protect the quality of the content. And you're also trying to literally protect the players, protect the fans uh, from a health perspective. And so it's wild, man. Um, that's all I have to say about it is it's, it's absolutely wild. And you know what else is wild? Symbol. Let me tell you why, folks. It's like the stock market. It allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time you 
or, or your team that you own wins, you earn cash. That's a nice little payout for you. Second, it's just like the stock market. If you think a team is going to increase in value, you can buy low and sell high for a profit. Right now, I think that the Philadelphia 76ers will continue to be an enigma. I think that their value will continue to drop. I don't think they're a lock for a playoff team. I would say uh, sell on the Sixers. You know, maybe I'm looking at a team like the Memphis Grizzlies and I'm saying buy because I think that they're going to continue to build chemistry and build confidence. That's a dangerous young team. What you got to do is go use the promo code SD to make your first deposit risk-free. That means even if you lose your money, they'll refund it. No questions asked. Anyway, we got, uh, we went from the serious stuff to the silly stuff and a very fun way to end this episode. So here's how we're going to do it. Kurt, Got to give him credit. This was a, a very fun idea. We're going to essentially have a Thanksgiving Day table draft. We're all drafting the same team, though. We're having a, a make-believe Thanksgiving dinner. We're going to go around the table, and we are going to invite some people to this dinner. And so we'll each invite three people. I'm sure there's going to be some crossover. And so I got some backups planned. Uh, but, Kurt, take it away. You get to invite someone to the table first. All right, so we have what nine total picks all at the same table, so you can't really go wrong unless there's a you know a, a pick that you know maybe might not get along with uh, someone else's pick, but we'll get. Yeah. I guess we'll. You yeah, want we'll Michael start. Jordan and Scottie Pippen there, man? Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, and, and that would be great entertainment. Um, <laughs> you know, with, with the first pick, I'll try to be not controversial. I guess go with someone that everyone loves. I'm gonna go with Clay Thompson. Uh, just yeah. funny, easy going, chill. I feel like a guy you could have a great conversation with and a Washington state coup. So can't complain. Going clay. Number one. I love it. He was on my list and I knew he was on yours too. Uh, yeah, top of the list. <laughs> You're next. <laughs> I'm going with his coach, Steve Kerr. I wouldn't want yes! to go to Thanksgiving without his favorite player of all time growing up and a man. I think we all find extremely fascinating and has great stories. Oh, man. Great pick. Two great picks. Um, yeah, man. I remember one time I was in Great Falls and Kurt, we've played basketball a few times together. And, you know, my jump shot is just not consistent. <laughs> like if it gets going, it can be I can be good. I can put the ball in the hoop, but it's wildly inconsistent ever since I had my Kirk Heinrich wrist surgery. It just is not the same. Uh but one night after a very long day of sports reporting, I'm just like stressed, man. I'm like, I need a release. So I went to, uh, I can't remember the name of the gym that we were both members to, but I went there very late at night and I just played basketball by myself for three hours. And before I went, I watched slow motion videos of Clay Thompson shooting. And I, it was right around... I want to say Father's Day weekend because I remember it was the NBA playoffs and he was asked by a reporter, um, hey, like, how'd you get out of that slump? And he he said, oh, yeah, me and Jonas, you're up, go. We just went to the ocean, man. And, you know, I found my Zen or some some hippie BS, you know, we know exactly what was happening at the beach and we won't say it. All right. But Clay Thompson is like that's someone I want to hang out with. That guy is hilarious. I love everything he's ever said to the press. And I went 
to the gym and was lights out, just pretending to be Clay Thompson for three hours. I was a uh, late twenties year old, uh, feeling like I was 10 years old in my driveway. And that's the kind of energy Clay Thompson brings. So that's a great first pick. As for Steve Kerr, I already said, he's a man crush. I mean, the guy's uh, also great with the media. He's He's got these little one-liners. He's got these little zingers. He keeps everybody accountable. And um, he's also feisty. Like, he, he's going to keep some people in line if, if, you know, there are some skirmishes at the table. We'll see, depending on how this roster plays out. But you know who could make this even better? You know who could make this better? Jake, your good friend, Bill Walton. All right. So Bill Walton. Connections to those two as well, because his, his son coached uh, with Steve and coached uh, uh, Clay. Exactly. Now everyone's got something to talk about. So Bill Walton, who is one of my biggest heroes as a analyst, because he finds these weird ways, like to the untrained ear, he sounds like a raving lunatic. But if you actually know what he's saying, sometimes it's like, okay, that was like very silly, but also you're a genius, you know, like this guy says some weird stuff, but I'll never forget his uh, comparison to uh, Beethoven for Boris Diaw. I, you know, I clipped that a long time ago. It saved on my phone. When you look at Boris Diaw, you cannot help but think of Beethoven in the age of the romantics. I mean, like you can't make that up. This guy's going to tell great stories. Um He's very positive. His book, Back from the Dead, was very cool. And it talked about how he was, you know, literally living on his stomach. He's living like a snake. He, he had a collapsed spine and he didn't want to live anymore, you know. And now he's someone who helps with uh, suicide prevention hotline. And he's someone who um, has done a tremendous amount of good uh, with the power that he's claimed through his basketball career and his post-basketball career. Very intelligent guy. I think he's a, a great pick. Uh, so I am up next again. And to I'm cut you gonna... off for one second, as someone who's had many interactions with Bill, oh, please scenes, do. Uh, th he picked me up in his black SUV one time in Boulder. And uh, does anyone want to guess what he was listening to on full blast? Uh, the Grateful Dead, but what song? Mm-mm. He was listening to a live Neil Young performance, which was wow. awesome. Um, and uh, he picks me up and we're, we're talking about how he thinks I'm a genius and I, I'm a future leader and my ambition shows and blah, blah, blah. So he dropped me off at Google headquarters in Boulder and said, we're going in here and we're going to get you a job in here because you're one of the future leaders and Google's leading our future. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? So I'm like, I ended up like talking to one of the execs of Google Boulder while wearing like a t-shirt because I thought I was just going to hang out with Bill. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, uh, on the way home, he's like, will you pick up my prescription from the pharmacy? I had to so I'm in Target getting Bill Walton's prescription at the CVS pharmacy. And guess who I run into? It's Tad Boyle. Uh, because I've run into Tad Boyle three different times at the, the CU, uh, the Boulder Target with Tad Boyle's the head coach of CU basketball. I'm like, Tad, Bill, well, I'm picking up Bill's prescription. Do you want to say hi to him? And he, I got Tad, I got Tad Boyle and Bill Walton interacting in the Target parking lot in Boulder. Uh, so yeah, that was a weird day. Um, but yeah, go ahead, Adam. You're, 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 you're second pick. I can't top that. I can't top that. Wow. Tell Bill Walton to, to listen to this episode. <laughs> he would like this show um maybe 
Yeah. Hey, maybe we got to get him on, man. I, I, if I got to talk to Bill Walton for 45 minutes, I could die a happy man. Uh, just one of the, the greatest uh, basketball minds of all time. Uh, so, Jake, I know this guy's – well, I'm guessing this guy's on your list. He's on your shirt. Nikola Jokic, all right? Uh, he's, he's my second guest. Um, man, he's just got this, like, dry sense of humor. And he seems really fun. He seems very chill. And I think he would be a good guest. He was not on my list, uh, but someone he would really like to have a conversation with is on my list. And someone that Bill Walton absolutely loves is on my list. And that's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Wow. Um, And Kareem has been writing his blog, which is fantastic. Kareem's blog is great. He was just on an episode of Dave that was hilarious. So he's still in tune with the things that are going on. Yeah. And obviously Kareem has the stories of playing in the NBA of old, but Kareem is like one of the best civil rights activists, like one of the leading civil rights activists of his time. And, you know, he's still very current on things. He's a very funny guy too, like very bright. He's written several books, some of which are children's books. So uh, I thought we'd get a little spice of, you know, you could get Steve Kerr and Kareem talking about civil rights issues while also having Bill Walton try to crack him. Cause I knew you'd have Bill Walton on your list. And of course, the dry humor of Clay Thompson and Nikola Jokic is just perfect. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. This is uh, the the perfect kind of night. Like I enjoy having friends and spending time with people where I can totally mess around with and tell jokes. But then we can also get into the meaning of the universe, get into existence, you know, get real philosophical. And so I'm looking at this roster so far. And that's what we got in Clay Thompson, Steve Kerr, uh, Bill Walton, Jokic, now Kareem. So a very good starting five, if you will. Kurt, who's our sixth man? I'll go with Marquette. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go. We're we're, we're trying to keep it civil at the table. Um, I'm going to go Steven Adams. Okay. Uh, Just because uh, just an an odd dude um, has some great answers with the media. Uh, try to do a little bit of research, and I can't get a definitive answer here. Do Australians celebrate Thanksgiving? Um, apparently, different portions of the the country slash continent uh, do, but not in like a traditional American way. So I think it'd be interesting just to see how Stephen Adams attacks, uh, you know, the the buffet line, if you will, uh, filling up his plate. What does he go for? Is there like a traditional Australian dish that he would like? Um, does he have to adapt to what we have as Americans? And what does he think about that? I'd like to pick his brain about that. I think Steven Adams is a pretty easygoing guy. So, uh, so out of the people I've seen in my life personally, and like I said, I, I've interacted with Bill. Um, I've interviewed Kevin Durant. Um, Steven Adams is the largest human I have ever talked to or been around. He is gigantic. Uh, and I've been around other seven-footers, like I said, but Steven Adams is like another level of giganticism. I don't oh, think yeah. you can go wrong with Steven Adams. he's like, I've heard he is the strongest player in the NBA, but also like just a gentle giant, you know, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, Isaiah Stewart getting his face ripped off like a Batman movie. Let's talk about Steven Adams taking a kick to the, to the junk. And what did he do? He just walked away. He just walked away. And um, the next guy on my list is all about that approach. Uh, but Jake, you're up. 
Are we going to snake um, it back? So, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kurt. Right, yeah, sorry. snake it back. Snake it back, yeah, Kurt. Yeah, last, yeah. Last snake pick. drafts are hard for me, Kurt. You know this. Oh, no. No worries. Uh, yeah, we <laughs> saw that in the fantasy basketball draft. Exactly. I, I do need to add real quick here, Adam. Access Fitness in Great Falls. Uh, basketball court, the worst thing I've ever played. Horrible it court. Like, it, it was like a squash court. Yeah. But uh, that's what we get for not being able to afford peak health and wellness up the street. Yeah, uh, real, real basketball court. So uh, access fitness, good people there, uh, decent facility for your money. But Dusty uh, floors. Yeah, that. <laughs> terrible basketball courts, but it is what it is. Um, my final pick, I'm going Blake Griffin. Um, has a really good stand-up, um, was good in the roast of, uh, shoot, I believe it was Bieber. Um, so a guy who has a, a, a comedy background, the only person in the NBA that I know who has – um, as deep of a, a comedy background. So going Blake Griffin, I feel like he could throw in some jabs, uh, throw in just, uh, you know, a couple good one-liners to keep the mood light. So uh, I also feel like he doesn't have a lot of controversy around him. Chill guy, seems normal, seems cool. Uh, so Blake Griffin's going to round out my draft. If we need anyone to jump over my uh, 2005 Buick uh, Century, he's perfect for that too. Give me the man with the most controversy for my last pick. I need a little warring at my Thanksgiving. I need some dirty looks. Like, it is Thanksgiving still. We need a touch of what it's like, you know, in reality. Okay. And, uh, and also give me some good stories with him being a former teammate of Steve Kerr. Give me Scotty Pippen. Oh! Give me Scotty Pippen at the Thanksgiving table. I want him to say all the ludicrous shit. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can cuss on this. I also want Scotty Pippen to bring his whiskey, which apparently is leading to him saying all this ludicrous stuff. Wow. He was on my list as like kind of a gag, but I was like, hey, if, if everyone like on my list gets taken, I'm going to just say Scotty Pippen. But for all those reasons, man, like, so I, I do like and that he, pick. And at the very least, he can be a jester while Walton and Kareem look on and go, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that plays in pretty well. I thought you were going to say Dennis Rodman with that little preamble. I'm like, yes, Dennis Rodman, Dennis Rodman. But, but we've arrived at the place in 2021. That's how crazy the last two years are. That Scottie Pippen has now topped the crazy of Dennis Rodman. What a world. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, Michael Jordan. I'm just kidding. He's not invited. Uh, he's probably oh, no. got other plans. Uh, but you know who would who Scottie Pippen could talk to right now? The not racist Phil Jackson. All right. Phil Jackson is my final pick. Uh, I'm going Phil. I'm going with uh, we, we can talk a little bit. You know, I cover University of North Dakota hockey. He played for University of North Dakota basketball. Uh, we also have, he coached uh, Luke Walton, he coached Steve Kerr, and he coached Scottie Pippen. Uh, and he probably had some battles with Bill Walton as well. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going Phil Jackson, my favorite basketball coach and my favorite author as well. And uh, I think the Zen master might be able to talk to Scotty a little bit. I think Scotty's in a dark place. And I think some of the things he said about Phil and some of the things he said about Mike are a little off, just a little off. Um, I don't want to take it too lightly, but uh, Phil Jackson is up there. Like the two people, if I could talk to anyone 
in the history of basketball. It's Phil Jackson and Bill Walton, so they have to be on my list. So I guess that rounds us out. We got our nine in this order. Clay Thompson, Steve Kerr, Bill Walton, who's plus one is Luke, um, then Nikola Jokic, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Stephen Adams, who's going to bring a koala bear, maybe a kangaroo, uh, Blake Griffin, who's going to bring cars to jump over, Scotty Pippen, who's going to bring the sauce and the hot takes. And, uh, you know, he's not going to give us copies of his book, but he will charge us for an autographed copy, only 30 bucks. Have you seen this, these Instagram ads? I'm not making this up. He's selling signed copies of his book for 30 bucks. That divorce must be rough, man. That's yeah. all I got to say about that. Yeah, that's tough. Like you said, he's probably not in a good place right now, but he also has been known to have been saying this crazy stuff for a while. Like he was wishy-washy on who the GOAT LeBron versus uh, Jordan was for, for a long, long time. He would just switch his answer every time someone asked him. Um, so none of this is that surprising. Of course, he harbored a pretty tough relationship with the Brian source simply because he signed a bad contract. Um, so uh, Scotty Pippen may not be the rosiest person to bring to the holiday party, but like I said, you need a little feistiness in Thanksgiving. And the problem with Thanksgiving is that there's not enough spice, both in the food and in the, the, the talking within the uh, friend group or the, or the family group, should, I should say. I, I feel like it's the Grinch movie and, you know, you're Cindy Lou Who and you just went up to Mount Crumpet and said, Mr. Pippin, will you come be the cheermeister? And he's like, get away, kid. But here's a $30 copy of my signed book and some whiskey. And I'd like to try it. I do like whiskey. It's terrible. Is it's it? terrible. Oh, man. But it's made by Scotty Pippin, so it's not as terrible. Did he make it personally? Did he like distill that? Hmm. He distilled it with his hatred for Michael. Digits. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I don't know if we can end on a better note than that. Uh, anyone have anything else to add before I sign off? I still got the Nuggets winning the title. I don't know how, but I got them winning the title. Uh, I didn't say this year also, but I have them winning the title some, at some point. They're going to win at some point. They're going to win. I didn't even say Jokic. The Nuggets will win an NBA title. Could be at any time, but it's going to happen. <laughs> Save this podcast, folks. He told you so. Here was 2061. President Pippen was right after all uh, about a great many things. Uh, Kurt, <laughs> closing thoughts? Oh, I don't have anything. <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, thank you for listening. Hoops Podcast. We'll see you next time.